All right, it. All right, it. Right, right, right. Uh, we've made it to the end of the road. FFPC playoff week. This is the finale. Four straight nights. I can't talk. I've had too many margaritas tonight. Four straight nights of FFPC programming. We're going to cap it with our friends Dink and Leone from ETR. Talk through the latest news. Lots of things kind of shaking up the landscape, dare I say, flipping the slate on its head. Talk through some more of our favorite current thoughts for strategy, pivots, all that good stuff. And naturally, we will build a lineup tonight. It's ship chasing ETR crossover FFPC challenge. Let's do it. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> this is what? This is what I'm hot. Anita Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you <laughs> kidding me? Are you Tony? You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> 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 Aren't you supposed to be updating some NBA projections right now, Dink? Uh, I'm. Sh- uh, let me check my DMs. Let's see. Uh, let's see. <laughs> let's see. I usually get my notifications on if projections need updating via DM these days. Uh, RDX well, doesn't realize he actually works for each. <coughs> our backup plan on notifications. Is this this is your annual appearance on Ship Chasing, right? You don't have. Did you hop on in the summer at all, or any of the other shows? Buddy, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> you'd remember if you did. I, I have no idea what shows I've been on, what shows I'm not. I don't even know why people still invite me to do football shows, but I keep showing up and I keep taking the checks. So, you know. <laughs> you're you're our coxswain, or as Leone typed it out in our private chat today, the coxswain. Uh, <laughs> uh, Leone, how are you doing tonight? Good. I'm feeling, you know, grateful to be doing this show with you guys. This is always one of my favorite things each year doing this contest, making all these lineups and um, tilting that we're blocked out of winning by one point in 10 different lineups after the wild card weekend. Yeah, you definitely carry like the tilt torch for us as like the yeah. playoffs move on. Like we'll all have mentally moved on and you'll still be like, okay, if Mike Evans scores 69 points, <laughs> we can actually still get first. <laughs> I learned from Drew how to just, you know, just hold on to any sweat possible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Gretch Crane, how are we doing tonight? Doing good. Great. Uh, Alabama just stole my uh, my head oh, yeah. coach. Feels oh, great. Really? Great to be a Husky over here. So wow. <laughs> Pete's, Pete's just learning this now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> believe it or not, I don't have alerts turned on for Washington Huskies hot stove news. <laughs> I was also going to complain. I was going to complain. My complaint feels less valid now. I, I didn't leave enough time to eat dinner, so now I have to eat this lobster roll on stream. Jesus. <laughs> Lifestyles of the rich and the famous eating lobster rolls on stream. The rest that's, of us are priced rough. out of those. That probably cost thirty-eight dollars. <laughs> so I, I paid thirty-eight dollars. me beat. <laughs> um, One day I thought we might win a national title. I was at the game. Now we don't even have a head coach, and uh, all of our players are are either going pro or transferring away. It's fin- it's been a great week. It's been a good week for Husky football. Yeah, Dude, you made it to the national championship game. I know so you got to go. I mean, like, yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty nuts. It is um, cool. Schools do that. I yeah. mean, you got to go watch a game. Leone has to go shovel his team's, you know, field just so they can play. 
<laughs> this weekend. Leonie, have you volunteered? You're going to be on the front lines? Liam's already shirking his duty. He's a draft dodger. No, I'm, I mean, it's 10 p.m. at night. You got to show up. Like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you hear Liam's reasoning? He says the snow's an advantage. And so he actually refuses to participate because that would actually be helping out the Steelers. Well, that's farcical, Liam, because they want you to shovel <laughs> the seats in the stadium so people can go. <laughs> They don't actually want you to shovel the field. <laughs> Leah would probably have a retort where it's like, no, the fans cheer louder if there's fucking icicles in their ass and you need to leave them there. <laughs> he wants to throw uh, snowballs. That's what it is. He wants the, the throwing of the snowballs advantage. Oh, God. Exactly. I got yelled at for that last time. Yeah, that uh, it was so annoying, that Dolphins game. Well, if you guys don't have snowballs, you're just going to throw dildos. You guys are going to throw something. Something or the other. <laughs> <laughs> So, Leodi, let me get your temperature as a, you know, a very unbiased, logical, rational Bills fan. You know, the, the narrative around is basically every team is live for an upset this weekend, except the Steelers. They're the one team that can't win. Do you want to mush your, your team by agreeing with that take? No, I think I think they're starting to also be in the live to lose. People are starting to get on this. The weather completely neutralizes, you know, the quarterback advantage, blah, blah, blah. So I don't need to mush them. You know, I think people think Pittsburgh's live because of the weather stuff. It is kind of a crazy combination of spread and total right now. It's like a 10-point spread on a 33 total. Have you got, like, what kind of actual weather docs have you guys made to your projections? We've docked that game pretty good. Um, the play count's down. And a lot of this is related to the total, right? Like, so the total super low. So generally that's more running plays to begin with and a lower play count. But we've also docked the pass rate like even even more than we normally would on a total of this magnitude and some of the efficiency in passing. Like we haven't gone full crazy, but um yeah, it's it's docked pretty good to reflect, you know, a 33 and a half total. Dink, are you uh are you a weather bro this weekend? Are there any spots we're worried about? <laughs> I'm I'm excited that people are potentially going to dock the Kansas City Miami situation heavily. That's the one that I'm more excited by because I think ultimately like everything with Miami is just whether they hit big plays or not and if they hit big plays then you know they're going to they're going to be useful in fantasy and on the Chiefs side of things they tend to throw the ball kind of regardless. So um <clears throat> that's the one that's more interesting to me to that people are afraid of that I'm less concerned about. The Buffalo one is more just like it's, it seems like it could be an absolute disaster and Buffalo is tough to play from a DFS perspective in general, because like we talked about this on established a million, but if you play digs, you can get digs right and still get buried like at the wide receiver position with the options that are there. So more interested in the KC Miami game from a weather perspective than Buffalo and Pitt. Wait, wait until we show Drew this uh, Tyreek Hill ownership projection in, in the FFPC contest. Well, that's why I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on where the field is going to go with that because I was listening to Steel and Bananas, and Ben, you were kind of making the point that maybe people weren't going to be concerned about this enough because, you know, it's kind of too easy to play Tyreek and Achieve. But I am feeling like people are – I mean, I'm hearing lots about the weather. So I think it's not like people are overlooking the weather – but are they then going to have the stones to do like Miami full fades? Because I, I don't think the running backs are really that appealing to people in this contest either, given that we're going to get both and they don't want to pick between the two. So 
That was sort of my point is that people want to play both sides of games where they think teams can go on to win another game, right? Like this is the game where people yeah. don't want to pick a winner. And, and so there's leverage in picking a winner. The, the, the games, it's like the DFS versus FFPC is just so different, you know, where everything Drew is saying is valid. But then in FFPC, there's a couple of teams that are such obvious fades. You make those obvious fades. Like you fade Pittsburgh, maybe you fade Green Bay, like the two big dogs. And all of a sudden, you know, are you playing Miami defense or kicker? And then there's the Cleveland-Houston game. So I do think Tyreek Hill is going to get owned quite a bit just because you know, it's a different type of format and people are just going to feel comfortable clicking that, you know, no salary cap restrictions or anything. We had a bunch of kind of injury news things develop today. I I would say nothing like seismic, but certainly wrinkles to how we've been thinking about things. Let's start at a little seismic to me. I went to put all the numbers around. That's because when you make one percentage shift to the ownership projections, it means you got to spend another 30 minutes reconciling it across everything else. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> um, I, for my sailing, it was all very minimal uh, tweaks. <laughs> um, uh, Mark, Mark Andrews, back at practice today. Like, cause I do think it's interesting in that if Mark Andrews never got hurt and if he was playing at the clip, that you know we've seen peak mark andrews he would have been probably pretty close to a challenger to lamar jackson for ownership in this contest which is famously tight end premium on a slate where we're starved for really good tight end options now he is back practicing i assume are you guys projecting him to play at all this weekend or how are you guys projecting him right now leone we are projecting him out for the divisional round and back for the conference championship and super bowl I know Silva thinks there's a pretty decent chance he's actually back for the divisional round. I really don't know. Um, But that's the way we're projecting it right now. And so I assume, Pat, like you're no one, no one's playing Mark Andrews, but the shifts are likely comes down. Does it make people more confident in Lamar and that he has another weapon? Like how, how do you think it shakes out? That's an interesting angle that people would actually feel more comfortable with Lamar. Um, I hadn't adjusted Lamar's ownership, but maybe I should a little. But, no, I don't think you can play Andrews because you cannot take a zero in the divisional round, which is the most likely thing to happen. Like, this is a contest where we're going to be gutted because, like, our buck got outscored by another buck by two and a half points. Yeah. And, like, then they lose, and we can't get those two and a half points again. So much locks in this contest that small point differences can be huge swings. So risking a zero is not really on the table, I think. Um, But at the same point, I do think it matters because it makes likely, I think, a really bad play. Now you're risking a really low score in the Super Bowl. Yep. Any, Gretch, any any thoughts for you on what Andrew's back means for a contest here? I think at FFPC, we've talked a lot about how the tight end position is weak. Um, I And, and I, so I think there are ways that he can get there based on the rest of the position failing. If, if, uh, if the Browns lose and Njoku doesn't have a big game, if Kelsey isn't the guy for KC, I mean, it could be Pacheco, it could be Rasheed Rice. Depends how many games they play. You might say if they lose to Miami in the first game, 
there's not really a clear third. We've talked about um, <clears throat> Goddard. I've talked a little bit about Kincaid. We've talked about some of the other guys, but there's not like a clear third option. And even if Andrews doesn't play in the second round, I mean, like in tight end premium, and if there's a situation where the other skill guys kind of spread out with stuff, even if they win, if they basically if they play two games and he only plays one, I feel like he could still be optimal at tight end. I don't know if that seems crazy, but it would depend on the rest of the tight end position. I think he needs to go to the Super Bowl if he doesn't play the divisional round. Okay. But he could play the divisional round, you know. Right. You you make the Super Bowl, though, the one game miss almost doesn't matter a ton because you're going to get the two. Well, I guess it it still matters relative to your teammates, though. But To your teammates. Right. Yeah. It matters to your teammates. But you could still bear. And one of those teammates is the chalk quarterback. Right. So you're already a dog with Lamar. Like if if you show up with Andrews, plays the divisional, it's already like not the most comfortable thing to show up without Lamar because the NFC side, you're probably not playing Purdy or Dak. And even if you did, you know, those aren't super great bets to outscore their teammates. So you're probably showing up like Andrews CMC versus Lamar CMC. Does that feel good? Well, it depends where your scoring's at at that point. I mean, it's not sure. There's going to be an offset of some sort. And the thing uh, is, is like even with this, what like what are you going to have his ownership at, Pat? Like one to two percent max. Yeah, yeah. So like even if Mark Andrews is just way ahead of schedule and even puts up like a decent score in the divisional round, it's it's pretty unlikely that you're competing against Mark Andrews teams for the top score. It's more like, do you want to potentially gain that edge? But yeah, I agree. Sometimes if it's really risky and we're going to run into the same thing with AJ Brown, where it's like, you know, is it, you know, is it, is it even worth the question is really, do you want to try to be that team that shows up with Mark Andrews and now you're live to jump to all these Lamar teams, but yeah, it's, there's a lot, the, the hardest part of this every year, especially us making a lot of teams is we can find like 20 different smart leverage spots, but it's like, yeah, ranking them and deciding which ones and how heavy to play the top ones versus spreading it out. And the Andrews one is probably, you know, not well, in the top ten. No, but no, it's not. Maybe in the. I top don't. 20. He's not. He's not someone I, I particularly want to play. I was just saying as I was thinking through it that I could see the math being. And so I, I don't think it's a Super Bowl thing because I do think the Lamar element becomes pretty difficult. I think it. I'll, I mean, we've talked a lot about it. Lamar and Josh Allen are looking like they're going to be soaking up like 90% of the quarterback ownership, and and almost rightfully so. So I'm basically thinking through a Bills beat the Ravens in the conference championship scenario where it is Allen. It's definitely not Lamar. And Goss and Zay and Odell spread stuff around enough, and you get Mark Andrews catching six or eight passes. Even if he only plays one game, it's tight end premium. And there's no also then you also need no other tight end scoring a lot. I mean it's it's possible to me yeah. in, in terms of trying to think through the way this works. And if I was going to build that, I'd build it as a single tight end. I would certainly not flex a tight end because you're using the constraints of the tight end position as part of the argument. But I, I don't even love it <laughs> to, to Leone's point. It's not one of the like top ten favorite types of those plays. That this this reminds me. I was watching Leone's stream earlier today, and you were talking about like. You know how you can build out these brackets, but sometimes you can build out the brackets too hyper specific. Where like you could, you actually, if you just tweak things slightly, would have a, a opportunity to have a couple different outs with certain matchups while still playing certain scenarios. 
And this is like a very specific scenario, which could happen. But that's, I think, the problem with the Andrews play is that it just relies on like a lot of things falling in place. Well, Dink, how about Laporta, who's a little different in that they're playing this weekend back at practice. All indications point to him playing. I know you guys have him projected in now. Is he on the menu for you with with Lions stuff? Like, what, are you going to play him in DFS this weekend too? I'm not. Um, I mean, the last thing we saw towards the end of the regular season from Dan Campbell and the Lions is that they love deception, right? So uh, I feel like this whole Sam Laporta thing is built on deception. I I don't I I can't imagine that he's going to play his normal role. My expectation is that he'll be in in the goal line packages. Maybe he'll have three or four targets total in the game. They'll probably be end zone related targets. If I'm going to play that, you know, maybe I'd play it on FanDuel from a DFS perspective. Um, for these contests and whatnot, like, I think he's going to be really heavily limited. Um, but Mike, Leone knows, like, I'm really biased towards guys assuming that guys are hurt in any way, that the downside is really, really low. So, like, I'm always the guy who any questionable tag game time decision, like Christian Kirk last week, I was like, I am fading Christian Kirk hard if he plays in this game from a DFS perspective. So my bias is towards these situations and kind of assuming that a hurt player is going to have a very limited role or high risk of re-injury. Um, so I would not be super excited. I have I have Laporta and, you know, some of the, the gauntlet, some of the DK stuff I took, like, last round Laporta, like, Maybe maybe I get some points there, but I in in these contests where you need a lot of points, I, in the first week I'm not as excited to to play him. The other thing with Laporta is that I wrote about this today um, on Legendary Upside. I just kind of got a quick post out on some of my thoughts, but he's a, he's an interesting one to think through because you're like, yeah, okay, but if they win, then he's even more healthy the following week. But also now you're playing two games against Amon Ra. And the bigger that sample gets, the more you want Amon Ross. So it just it's a little I, I don't I don't really think he's a, a great option at all. Yeah. If anything, it's even I would say it's more of the thing, you know, does Andrew's back get you more excited about Lamar? I think in general, it makes me more excited about just like the Lions being able to go uh, a little bit further. But how you apply that to the playoff contest is still basically ARSB, maybe Gibbs, but right? Like to, that's what to Dink's point. They uh, Dave Burkett tweeted out like a a video of them practicing, and he is, he is in like a full leg knee brace. Like it oh, is yeah. not like he they practiced in full, but like he is not just out there jogging around, you know, looking normal. Like he's he's still working back. If he was healthy, he would have been a fun. You're playing the the Lions to lose like a one game play, but yep. yes, exactly. Yeah, he's not healthy. <laughs> not healthy. Yep. So that that one, and then I think the other the huge domino right now is what's going on with AJ Brown and the Eagles. Whereas if we had full practices from AJ Brown, would have been in the Boomer Opto, would have been the chalk, um, even with his form not being you know great down the stretch. Now we have him not practicing. I still have not heard like a single report, like not anything like, oh, you know, he's, he's looking good. He's, you know, they're going to try to get like, it's just crickets. Dude's not practicing. It feels very ominous, very bearish. Um, Pat, I know you made some tweaks to the ownership projections in light of today's DMP. Yeah, I did. I mean, I was probably overly bullish early in the week, just like, there have been some stuff of oh you know it's not it's not that bad he's walking around, but 
the double DNP. I don't know how much this stuff matters, but like, there's also like he he deactivated his Twitter account and uh, scrubbed some stuff from. I mean, there's always this stuff. So I'm like, it doesn't feel great, um, but more the DNP. And I want to see the. I would love to see him back at practice tomorrow, but, but I think the other thing is like, people are going to kind of have to make this. Like, we're going to build all of our lineups tonight with the information that we have. How can we put AJ Brown in? And so. It's just gonna already going to have a big impact on ownership. Um, I have him yeah. at like five percent. I could I could see even that bringing that down. I could see bringing it up up a little bit. He'll never get to where he could have been if he practiced this week. How like uh, let's let's assume AJ Brown doesn't play. I'm already kind of working under the assumption the field doesn't even want to deal with it no matter what. Like even right. if he gets in a limited practice tomorrow, I just assume the field's like I don't even want to take the risk. That comes Monday, he's not active or he's limited or whatever. Like you're putting $200 on this entry that locks Saturday afternoon. Like no one wants to take a zero well, on that. Yes, but I do think there's a point and that's why I've had put him at 5% cuz I think there's a point at which you go but no one's going to play him now. So maybe maybe he becomes this contrarian pivot. So it depends, again, on the practice report. Um, if it's like he's kind of 50-50 to play, then I think it would be probably more like 1%. Well, well 5% is a good number, but in that you basically need to be putting in 20 lineups for him to enter your right. portfolio. And I not a lot of people are putting in 20 lineups. So that's why it could right. even come in less, less than 5%. For sure. Um, and so, yeah, now I have Jake Elliott as the chalk on the Eagles. I mean, I've got him up to 27%. Uh, I've got the Eagles fade up to 45%. I could see that coming in even a little higher, um, just as people don't. I mean, you, there's already like a lot of sentiment that the, the Buccaneers could win this game at home. Um, the Eagles obviously looking so bad down the stretch. And then it's just like easier because I think that kind of comes into play in this contest of like, not everyone's always going to think through like what will happen. And therefore I will pick a lineup that represents what I think will happen. They will go be a lot easier for me if the bucks won this game. So I'm going to say <laughs> yeah. that they will. Um, and I think you'll get some of that. I could see them I, like depending, I'm kind of waiting a little bit on the Brown stuff, but I could end up having the Eagles total fade up closer to 55% than the 45% I have it at now as people, I think maybe just, decide that they don't want to deal with this. But right now I've got uh, Elliott, 27, Devontae Smith, 24, Dallas Goddard, 19, Philly Fade, 16, A.J. Brown, 5, Jalen Hurts, 4, Swift, 2, Defense, 2, and then nothing for anyone else. I think that makes a lot of sense. It does – and I'm, I'm getting much more worried about A.J. Brown as well. It does make me want to make the bet because Brown has played through DNPs with knee issues in the past and smashed. That is something that he specifically has done multiple times, like during his Tennessee years. Um, I I don't think that's necessarily what it's, what's going to happen, but also like when he, when he seems to throw these fits and like deact- you talk about deactivating his Twitter and stuff, sometimes he gets 10 targets the next week. Yeah, like squeaky that wheel kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think the ownership, Pat, like as it stands right now with him uncertain to play, I don't know if people will go like, oh, we'll just play Devonta then. Like they might just fade. Like I could see Devonta Goddard each for sure three to five points lower than you have it, and then that's where you get your fifty-five total fade. That's how. That's I, where I would take it from. Yeah, 
I do I, think you're right that people are going to just want to pick the Bucks to win because they don't want to deal with the Eagles. And the Eagles can still win. Even if A.J. Brown doesn't play, they can win, right? Right, and that's, yeah. that's where my brain goes, right, in that it's like, do you even have to take on the A.J. Brown risk if the field just wants to full fade it? You basically free roll via Goddard and Devonta Smith. Those guys can have yeah. great games with AJBN. And ideally, you probably would want like a limited AJBN for those guys. It's an awesome matchup. And if they're not going to catch any steam because of the AJB news, like that's where I get excited. Also, Hertz is, I think, a good play. Um, Me too. Yeah, it's tough to play him a lot, but the NFFC contest, Hertz is like an amazing play. It's like a totally different structure, but like he's an amazing play there where I still don't think he's going to be owned, but like he should be. Um, but here, I, you know, I think he might be the third best QB play. On, on the NFC, when I was, I was talking about this with Drico earlier, because we were, we were talking about this last night's show, and I know you talked about it on your show a little bit, but it's the idea with Hertz that if you're like, if a lot of your other round one stuff goes bad, then you just stick with Hertz in round two. If not, then you pivot to Purdy. Is that the, like, if you have a lot well, of stuff you, going right? The, the thing is, the NFC side, you're not starting with the quarterback because you're starting with CD or CMC and you're playing two quarterbacks. So you've got, yeah. you pick Lamar or Allen as one quarterback. Then you start with Hertz. He could smash in a loss and then you sub in Purdy or Dak. Or if he wins, Maybe you just go, okay, I'm going to play this as an Eagles run that nobody else is going to play. So you have like a few outs. That's, there. You, that's can even the form, add, you can even that's add. the format that multiplies. Yeah. 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 So in that format, I mean, couldn't you also get away with just a low scoring Super Bowl from the quarterback position being able to make up like, because the advantage at the, at the Super Bowl quarterback position, right, is the multiplier advantage that they have over you. But if it's not that great of a scoring game, a quarterback, just naturally, couldn't you have made yeah. up for that by what you're picking up in the early rounds? Yeah, definitely. That's part of it is like you might even add Purdy or Dak like third or fourth round, you know, and in, in they're just because their skill player teammates are are good. Dak would do, I mean, a little bit harder, I think. But yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Gotcha. So so you got you guys think Philly's going to be faded heavily in this stuff? I, I do. More than their win yes more than you expect this seems like i mean i'm catching up to all this stuff late uh as you guys can imagine with uh with my nba responsibilities but like there's been all this news all week that's been negative on philadelphia the line has not moved it's moved in favor of philadelphia during the course of the week opening at two and a half in a lot of places and moving to three so like if, if this is the fade the public play of of the year it would seem like to me is that if there's yeah. all this negative news coming on philadelphia the books are holding firm on a key number and they're just like nope three it's three yeah. it's three aj brown's not playing it's three like to me that's a that's a strong signal to be aggressive on philadelphia stuff in the first round i also feel like there's been like all these teams except maybe baltimore have had up and downs throughout the year right like buffalo has casey has and like I don't know, some of these teams that were down on heading into the playoffs who might be like overly down on, like just like people were overly down on Buffalo, you know, when it was six and six. Like Philly could definitely make a run. The challenging part is like I like Hurts, but you're not gonna play like a ton of Hurts. Um you pro I mean, and I guess it comes down to the Devonta Smith projected ownership, but you could kind of pencil in like we're gonna play Philly pass catcher here and then like we can decide late like exactly what the the split is. The thing is with Evans, it, are Evans and Rashad White going to catch a lot more ownership based on this? 
Yeah, so that's I brought them up and Tampa Bay fade down in kind of direct response to this Philly move because I because that's obviously connected. Yeah. People are going to shift to Philly. They'll they'll fade the Bucks less. I have Evans up to thirty three and White up to twenty four. I think they'll ultimately come in pretty close. I could see White flipping Evans because people don't feel great about the running backs, uh, and White is a is a pretty comfy click. Especially if you're picking them to win. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But Evans, you know, you get the great matchup, and then you get them having to throw a bunch uh, in round two, which could potentially be against the 49ers. So, so but you could just play Chris Godwin, Devonta Smith, and guarantee a low-owned advancing receiver. That's like a pretty good play, a pretty good projection play. For sure you could. Yeah, I think the only thing that's keeping the Buck stuff in check is just there's uncertainty around how healthy Baker is, too. Like, there's some legitimate worries about him, and I just haven't seen a lot of chatter of people super enthused about Bucks in this spot. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of the casual lineups, like, double fade this game. Oh, yeah. I, I think you will see that. And I, I think you might even see hard fates plus Jake Elliott. Like, I right. like stuff where you're like, what yeah. are you thinking here? Like, there's like you, the only way you're, you're guaranteeing just Jake Elliott at best. But I think you'll get some of that. I, and I think, like, part of it, you know, with Devontae Smith, right? Like, he's not that appealing of a play. And then you also have the potential for, like, them to win the game and then you're bummed because like Devonta Smith has kind of a whatever game and then AJ Brown's coming back the next game. So now you, you're like, this, I wish, I wish I just played Brown or whatever, you know? And so I don't know. It's just like tough. It's tough to like envision Devonte Smith as a bet on the Eagles. You know what I mean? Yeah, he did. He did start. I mean, like the second half of the year, I know just doing the projections drove me crazy. Cause like for a while there, every week it was like, we have to manually up AJ Brown's efficiency. And then like, we finally did it. And then he like stunk for five games and Devonta Smith right. was pretty good down the stretch. <laughs> so um, the second half of the season, they were, they were a lot closer, but were overall closer, the yeah. target share has been kind of wide. It, and that's why I think it just be, even with the quarterbacks banged up, just like full fading this game or even full soft fading feels like such a mistake. I mean, the Eagles and the bucks are what, two of the top five defenses we've been targeting all year in DFS Dink. I mean, like these are, these are the spots like what it's like them, the commanders. I mean, they're at the top of the list. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how you would get through this contest with not wanting to have exposure to that game in full, honestly. Like I think fading, like fades from that game feel difficult to me that it yeah. feels like there'd be better spots to fade um, because just the like, we're talking about all these weather situations and whatnot. I assume it's going to be good weather in Tampa. Um, two defenses that have really struggled. It's just, it seems like it's going to be hard to avoid finding a game that's pretty darn worthwhile um, in the, in, you know, in this, in this scoring environment. The other thing on the weather front, like we're all talking about it this weekend, but all the home teams throughout the playoffs are going to be, they could be bad weather again you know, in Kansas city, Buffalo or Baltimore would not be shocking. You know, if there were more weather issues, NFC sides completely clear, you know? Well, let's, let's That's talk about the hurt, the hurt stuff more just from the lens of what non Allen and her, or uh, 
Lamar quarterbacks are viable because that, you know, we all are in agreement. The field is going to be playing Lamar and Allen at like a massive clip. And then the question is whatever that 10 to 15% of leftover quarterback ownership, like where can you smartly uh, do that? I mean, I think this is the most condensed quarterback field we've seen since we've been covering the contest. Uh, you have Lamar is, is, I think, pretty good quarterback chalk at this point because of how high Josh Allen will be. And Josh Allen also a very strong play. And like neither one of them feels like, you know, kind of out of control because they're sort of keeping each other in check a bit. Um, and then Hertz and Mahomes are both like great fantasy quarterbacks, last year's Super Bowl representatives, and will be very low owned. So I think they're strong plays. And then you have Dak and Purdy, who are the one and two seed in the NFC, and are going to be even less owned, I think, than Mahomes and Hurts. So I think they're pretty viable, although, you know, the whole teammate conversation comes into play there in a big way. But, like, why get past that? Like, if you if we're talking, like, a couple percent on Dak or Purdy, maybe 5%-ish on Mahomes and, and Hurts, like – that's contrarian enough. I, I don't really see the point really of, of trying to play like a Stafford lineup or something like that. Yeah. Especially because some of these quarterbacks, like not only would you need them to make the Super Bowl, which is low odds, you would need them to outscore their teammates and you would need Lamar Allen and Hertz to still fail in like multiple games. Like there's a lot you would need to get right. Um, it's not just like, Oh, if the Browns go to the Super Bowl, like Flacco, like, you know, and Joku is probably the favorite, you know, if the Browns go to Amari. the Super Bowl. <laughs> or Amari. Like, he's yeah. he's still not the favorite on his own team. So, I'm with you. I think it's like there's like six quarterbacks you could pick from. It seems ridiculous to go outside of that. And then even of those six, I could see whittling it, it down. The Dak, I think Dak's a little more appealing to me than Purdy just because I think if you get some – you could Purdy, you're competing with like three teammates pretty hard. Um, Dak, obviously you're competing with Pollard and Ferguson in addition to lamb, but we've just seen some like, you know, 400 yard, five touchdown games from Dak that he could get there with CD still putting up like, you know, 22 a game or something. Well, yeah. And the way like a guy, you know, Kittle and Debo can sometimes separate in a way from Debo. Whereas like the big cooks and Ferguson games are generally like Dak is just slinging it everywhere and they're not separating from him right that's a good point um this is this is the question i've been thinking about easy talking about josh allen ownership coming down because of these weather issues and i think it's a really interesting thing we were talking about it with the badge bros earlier as it pertains to the underdog contest where everyone who takes josh allen is if they're doing it right they're just taking one quarterback but if this is some like weather apocalypse game and he scores 14 points here, and none of these Josh Allen teams advance despite the Bills winning, you're like in, I mean, that's a really shitty spot to be in. But in this contest, you're aren't you just more concerned about one of his teammates not separating in a really big way in a one-game low scoring? Like if James Cook has 150 yards and two TDs and advances, then you start to get a little worried about having Josh Allen as your quarterback. And the, his biggest competition is the guy's going to play in the AFC Championship. So to me, it's just like it, it, the the whole thing in in the FFPC is: do they beat the Ravens? Like, do they yeah. go on and beat the Ravens or not? Yeah, yeah. and I think I, 
there's I was a, you guys in in chat earlier too. A little bit of a homer take, but I actually think like the weather stuff helps him separate from his teammates a little bit more, at least from digs um, and Kincaid to an extent. Cook, you can definitely see like the running game, but like Josh Allen's going to run a lot, and you know his touchdown equity in these types of games is pretty high. Obviously, if it's a complete disaster, which is a problem, then you know it, it could be. But if it's like a mild disaster. Allen's scoring expectation comes down a few points, but like Diggs's comes down even more so. Yeah. Did you he make any of Najee plus Bill's hard fade? <laughs> I, I mean, don't have it in me. I, I don't the guy, the guy wearing a Bill's hoodie doesn't have that in him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pat, did you make any ownership tweaks to the Bill stuff because of the weather? I just did actually because I was going to ask you guys because I, I, I'm starting to feel like maybe this is all kind of swinging back towards Lamar chalk in a bigger way because um, everyone's first thought was Lamar mega chalk and then it was like but Allen four games that's actually really fun um, but I've I've heard stuff you know where people are like you know I actually think Lamar's a really great play given that he, he's not going to get out of control and I feel that way too. Um, and yeah, if that fourth game isn't a super appealing reason to play Allen, then you have the whole thing that we've been talking about all week of Stefan Diggs, James Cook, and Dalton Kincaid versus Zay Flowers, Gus Edwards, and Isaiah Likely. And Isaiah Likely just got a huge hole blown in his appeal. So, and Gus Edwards was never that appealing. James Cook always was much more appealing, I think. And then Zay Flowers is not just not that fun of a click. So I've been trying, you know, I've got Justin Tucker still up uh, at 10%. And that creates a 13% total fade on the, the Ravens, which is super high for a one seed. But I just think it's because people don't want to, like, deal with having to click flowers. They'll just bet against the Ravens um, if they're not going to take Lamar. But maybe they just oh, take Lamar, you know. Right. That would be one way to kind of avoid that. What, I mean, I, maybe I, Lamar comes in super high. Yeah. I think it's gonna be polar. I think you're gonna see like it's gonna be like 50% Lamar, 25% DST, 25% Tucker. Like I, I think the skill position players are getting mega squeezed on the Ravens. But I, I don't think we can flowers. see a 50% fade of the one seed. I just don't think half the field can do that. You mean a you mean a soft fade? Yeah, so, yeah. Soft so fade. basically play Baltimore to lose. Um yeah. I just I, – I don't see how people – I mean, they're so good, you know, and, like, you don't want to have to bet on them to – like, Tucker is for as good as Tucker is. You don't want two games of them. You need the Browns to come in and beat them, and I don't think half the field I, I agree with that. you, but if the market thought the Ravens were so good, Lamar would be 75% owned. I do think the – That's what I'm saying. Maybe, maybe yeah, I think Lamar probably goes up. up. I could see the soft fade on Baltimore survive <coughs> two games, obviously not into the Super Bowl. And if other people kind of think that, I could definitely see the soft fade higher than expected, which would make Zay Flowers like kind of interesting. But I think, yeah, I mean, Zay's going to be like 15%. And Andrews is going to catch at least like 5% just because he's practicing. And I think Gus I don't think so. I don't think. How can you play Andrews? You're not getting the first game out of him? I don't think anyone's playing Andrews. You don't think anyone's Zaya? No, I haven't at one. 
What's your Zay ownership at right? Nineteen. Uh, well, I'm I'm currently raise, as we talk. I'm raising Lamar significantly, but I, I still have him at nineteen with Lamar at sixty now. This is all just my backdoor plan to get you to raise Lamar. So I'm like, well, we got yeah. one more job. I, you know, that is that is what's happening. So I'm, I'm just going to lower Lamar down to 58. <laughs> let, me, yeah. let me ask you a question, Dink, on some of these like decisions on, say, if you're playing a player in a, in a loss, like how much do you want to get in the projections on this single week stuff? Because I feel like a lot of that, isn't necessarily discussed because everyone kind of views it from like the macro landscape. Are they win or losing? Are they getting two games? Are they getting one? But I haven't heard a ton of talk of like, okay, how does Dallas Goddard actually project versus Devontae yeah. Smith if AJ Brown is out? Yeah. And I think what we've talked about a lot in the past in, in these shows is when you're playing those spots to lose that you know a player is going to be or from a team that is going to be chalky in terms of they're going to funnel ownership to a skilled player in the first round even though we're expecting them to lose that we're often that's kind of the time that we start talking about the projections in week one and trying to understand kind of the differences in the ownership versus the differences in the projections that we're getting in those spots and i think that's kind of the the best use case for it but i also think there's like as, as we were talking through the baltimore stuff the thing that's so fascinating about this contest is just constantly having to compare guys to their teammates yeah. and as yeah. you're talking through the Baltimore stuff, like I'm thinking, man, ultimately, like if your decision is Allen versus Lamar at a quarterback position, if you're doing like one lineup in this thing, because ultimately like you're playing one of those two teams to get to the Super Bowl. If you're playing the Allen side, like where do you go on the Raven side? And if most people are going to go to kicker or, uh, or full fade, my first thought is like, man, defense is kind of interesting in that spot for the Ravens because they could have a really strong game that they win against Cleveland where they shut them down, keep Cleveland kind of in check naturally. Their defense scores well. Maybe it's a Gus game that, you know, is fine for one week but doesn't really impact the position as a whole during the course of the uh, the, the contest. And then you get a second game against Josh Allen who is probably good for a few points just with sacks and turnovers even if even if they're able to get past the Ravens. And so, like, I think there's some weird iterations just on that team specifically because they spread things out so much and because it's so, like, the opportunity cost at the skill positions is so much higher than the opportunity cost of the defense that the Ravens' defense is like, I'm in a little bit of a mind melt here, but maybe interesting even if you're expecting them to win a game but not advance to the Super Bowl. Jacob Sanderson had called them out early in the week as his favorite play, and I, I, th- I think it's really intriguing because I do think Tucker is going to be – you know, the the way and most people play it, right? It's it's Tucker. Like if you're like, I'm gonna fade the Ravens, you're almost not even thinking that much further about it. You're like, I'll play Justin Tucker because that's a sweet way to take care of kicker. He was the weather narrative year. becomes so overwhelming that they start worrying about Justin Tucker and two hours. Two weeks from now. <laughs> I'm telling you, don't put anything past the weather bros. Forget their panties in a bunch. <laughs> that's funny. The FFPC DST scoring is really volatile too, where like if Baltimore played Cleveland in Baltimore, you know, and they just dominated that game, like that, that, that score could be the highest DST score without, you know, any points the next week. You know, you get Flacco on the road in Baltimore. Um, I mean, they're probably going to have a pretty good matchup no matter what, you know. What do you think the, what do you think, um, 
if if we were taking out the teammates part of it and like the optimal lineup part about it and like you just summed the defensive points at the end of the week like what are we what are at the end of the contest what are we projecting like the highest scoring defense for and like how how like how viable is it to <laughs> score in one game or it in FFPC, it's usually like – I remember last year it was like 14 or 13 because you don't get a lot of Isn't points it against. Dolphins? It was Dolphins, Dolphins last year, and they did score a TD. So, that, so you know, you get the you get the takeaway and the TD, and you often get the eight-point play there, and then a couple other, you know, takeaways or one other takeaway and a few sacks. It's usually the low – it's just over 10. Between 10 and 15 yeah. is the high. The, for the my recollection. loud segment of it, Dink, is like – after 13 points, nothing right. matters. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. The, I don't know. Um, Baltimore, Baltimore defense is kind of interesting to me on the, on Josh yeah. Allen teams specifically. For sure. Um, yeah. But that's, I think, where you get to a really high. <clears throat> so now I've, I've gotten it up to 15% since we started talking. But I mean, that, that's not, that's not how this contest is usually played. Usually people go with the one seeds and the the teams that have a really high chance of making the Super Bowl. Like last year, uh, the Chiefs were at 1% total fade. Eagles at 3%. Bills at 1%. 49ers at 2%. Um, so you're just like – you normally don't see that at all. Um, I think it will be a little different this year just because of how you have to – you know, just because the way the Ravens set up, as we've discussed. But – like how different is the question I'm I'm wrestling with? Because I don't I don't think like if it starts to feel like man I really just don't want to play any other Ravens other than Lamar rather than all the field kind of flocking to defense and kicker I think we'll just see Lamar come in higher than we're thinking. Yeah, I mean the DST play is definitely interesting as Dink talks it through too. Like if you think. Again, in an Allen lineup, you're playing Bills to go to the Super Bowl. If you think they can get there in two games, then you sort of maybe play both sides, too, of like Houston, Cleveland, and you free roll the upset mm-hmm. of one game of Baltimore, mm-hmm. you know, in addition to that. I do like that. You do, you play both sides of Houston, Cleveland, fade Baltimore, and it's like, I don't know who's beating them, but someone. You probably play Tyreek, too. You know, just so that everybody's you live. got it covered. Yeah, three ways. Yeah, yeah. You might as well. It's like a little bit too sort of safe in at first glance, but you know, you don't. Nec- if you're predicting something as big as the one seed loses in round one, you might as well keep all of your your bullets live. Yeah, yeah. you could play Miami fade, I guess, with a KC player and just hope Miami loses, and then. Baltimore has to play. It would suck if Baltimore lost to Miami, though, and now you're like, yeah, for sure. You know, you might. I think you just play Tyreek or Achan, maybe. Yeah. Uh, let Dink. Did you get a chance to look at all at the ownership projections for this for mm-hmm. like the most popular plays? Uh, Leoni sent them to me somewhere in here. I just have I have not looked at them deeply. I was I was gonna try to get a little. Uh, Establish the million good chalk, bad chalk, and see if you had any uh, bad chalk that stands out to you at the uh, the top of the ownership. Yeah, let me take a peek now as as we're going through. Um, so it's 
this this contest is just like con constantly putting my brain in a pretzel with like the <laughs> teammates thing. Um, I would say like so if we're just going by team, in terms of like just scrolling through each team. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, like the um, if if this Laporta stuff holds, obviously I'm not like it's not it's not chalk but like I, I i guess i at the tight end spot that one's confusing me a little bit is it just kelsey is like everybody just gonna play kelsey in joku i think in joku oh, this is what we're yeah, wrestling yeah, yeah, yeah. with yeah, yeah 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 okay my take last night was there's so much anti-kelsey sentiment and so much yep. positive pacheco sentiment yeah that pacheco could flip kelsey and Njoku could pe become the chalk tight end there's also a lot of positive brown sentiment right there like um yep. Or maybe I'm just con consuming too much legendary upside content. I don't know. Um, but, every, but I mean, there's a lot of positive Brown sentiment on being able to uh, upset Houston or not upset Houston, but move on past Houston and then uh, get Baltimore a really good game. So that makes sense to me that Njoku would be well above Kelsey. Um, well, I, I don't, I don't have it like I that. Be above, but yeah. I, I have Njoku 29, Cooper 34, Pete got me to flip that last night, and I flipped it back today. But partly because who's in I your think, ear that has more weight than my thoughts, Pat? <laughs> honestly, honestly, the Brown stuff is what triggered it because that creates more Goddard, and that allows you to come off. Because I think if you're just deciding between even in tight end premium, Cooper lit up this Texans defense in Week 16. Like I don't, I don't think that's that's lost on people. They want to try to recapture that that spike week, you know. So. If you're if you don't need to cover the position, then I think you just pick Cooper more often than not as a flex, um, and Goddard helps fill some of those tight end percentage points. Um, and then yeah, I, I have Kelsey thirty five or forty five percent because I mean it's Travis Kelsey and tight end premium. I think I'm counting on the boomers to come through for me here and just plug. And in that's Kelsey where I think you're wrong. I think format. a boomer looks okay. at the two v two and they fucking love the Najoku Pacheco side. I mean, the joke is better. I think going to be closer than you have it. I think Kelsey. I think okay. Kelsey had, but I'd probably have it closer. My immediate in looking at this is, I want to put in Joku, even if it's a flex over Cooper in every lineup that I do. That's how, that's where I personally. Right. Maybe I just, maybe yeah, have I, a I had. I like that take. And like, if people are going to click Cooper more in, like playing Kelsey and in Joku in some lineups is interesting. That's what yeah, I was saying. Really, I think on Wednesday, and I have our, I've been making lineups, and I just made one. Leonie that literally does that. I made two lineups, and one of them has that. I want to put a Joku in like every. I put him in both of these lineups. Like he was so consistent for the last five or six weeks that he played. Amari had one explosion game, one other solid game, and then go look at his game log. The rest of it is not that impressive. And Joku's been very about the consistent. franchise record, and it's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the um i do think the uh just the total frequency of two tight end lineups is going to be at all-time lows just even having two t two tight ends in your lineup will probably already send you on a pretty unique path i agree yeah and i have it projected like that it's much lower than usual but there's a real, there's an interesting discussion there because I think you can do it with Kelsey and Joku because I think those are the two premium tight end plays. I think any other tight end play loses some luster if you play them in a more than one tight end because part of what you're doing is you're saying if Kelsey and Joku both fail, they're just the best tight end that fills that one tight end spot. 
Like, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to be flexing Dalton Kincaid or potentially even Goddard. I think you you want those guys, the math and the constraint of needing a tight end to help Goddard. I think Goddard, you got to start directly comparing to teammates then at that point. Like, and I could see Goddard, like if AJ Brown's out and Devonta Smith has a bad game. Yeah. You know, well, that's why I like Schultz so much because I don't think it's that crazy for him to separate from his teammates. Yeah. I like the Houston guys. Yeah. I mean, we talked about playing both sides of uh, Philly, Tampa Bay, but both sides of Cleveland, Houston. It's not just teammates. It's it, it's if he loses, he has to be one of the top two scoring skill position players of all the six teams that lose. Or if they win, then he has to separate over multiple games. Those are the only two options. Can't separate one game without also beating skill guys. Another, he has to be like Tyreek Hill. Right? It's he not, has to it's not separating guys. from six teams. It's separating from the other teams that are uh, like losers. hard and soft faded. Yeah. Yeah, there's six losers on opening weekend. Two skill guys from those are required. He has to be one of the top right. two. So he has to beat Tyreek Hill. He has to beat, you know, some of those guys as well. Unless Miami defense scores a touchdown, you know. or Yeah, yeah. That's where it gets all tricky, though. It's mm-hmm. defense and kicker coming to play. Me, so I adjusted the ownership projections on these tight ends. I want to see what you guys think. Glad I got back in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share my screen, Yeah. Uh, as you're pulling this up, I did just check, like, so in the uh, in the underdog pick both Najoku and Kelsey set at five and a half receptions for their line. Uh, Kelsey's at 57 and a half receiving yards, and Najoku's at 54 and a half. Like, basically wow. identical. The it, I, I, I don't like fading CD too much, but I do like the uh, Ferguson play a little bit making sure you have a ram skill player and kind of hoping you get a loss in ferguson you mean a packers or a packers Packers. yeah sorry packers skill player which isn't going to be owned much you know (laughs) but would that be a single tight end or you do you like that that'd be single tight end i would want that i'm i'm with you in general gretch like i don't want a lot of two tight ends i I do think there's some routes where it's interesting just because the field's not going to do it at all but yeah yeah ferguson for me would be a single. Like if you want him to compete with CD, like that's that's a that's why. I, yeah, that's why I wanted to ask that question because I feel like he's a great example of one where I would want him to be a single too. That's that's a great example of that. So, Gretch, your thought process on the single tight end is basically you're hoping that the tight end position is just not not is a fate of the tight end position generally. So Goddard, Schultz, yeah. Ferguson, these guys are like single tight end only type builds. Or the ones that perform over multiple games have other teammates really crushing at other positions, right? So Kelsey could still be good over multiple games, but Pacheco really runs hot, and you need him as a running back. And so the math works essentially that they're the only legit, like, one-and-done tight end. Like, if they put up a 15, 20-point game as a one-and-done, the math might work out where, like, they they make sense as the single tight end, and there's no other tight end that, that fits in. Like uh, six, that makes six for sixty is getting you to fifteen, which is kind yeah. of crazy. But like you're you're live with a six for sixty on a loser. Um, so so here's this new run here of the tight end stuff or the Cleveland KC stuff. Kelsey's still ahead, but just by two percent. What do you guys think of this? Uh, Njoku thirty five, Cooper twenty eight, Pacheco now becomes the chalk play on the two teams at forty four. <laughs> Did, yeah, I think for early this looks in the good week, to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, early in the week, we kind of thought Kyron would be really chalky running back, but I do think it makes sense to kind of have that a little more even between him and Pacheco, which you already kind of had a little bit before you tweaked this. But um, do you think there's any chance Cooper that Cooper being higher? I could see Cooper being higher and just maybe just at the expense the of all down? <clears throat> If it was Cooper higher, it would be Cleveland D coming down, probably. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe not, though. Maybe that's right then, because Cleveland D is probably going to be pretty chalky, and you basically have nothing else. So People might want to pick the weather Ds, right? Yeah. Pittsburgh DST is probably going to be really high, I think. Really? Because I came really? off that with the TJ Watt stuff. The news. Everybody keeps saying they don't have TJ Watt. You can't. They don't play. have TJ Watt. You can't TJ play Steelers D. Oh, maybe, maybe you guys are right. I was just. Thinking, I think. Like, I think toilet phone shitter bros are just like I want literally nothing to do with the Steelers. Not thinking yeah, through yeah. like how Fair. that defensive element works. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think this look. This looks like spot on to me. Um, as far as Najoku pacing, Pacheco pacing, and yet Kelsey still coming in higher than the Najoku. Like, I think that's threading the needle in about the right way there. Okay. All right. That makes um, sense. I'm trying to think, what are there any other kind of spots that have been in flux that are, or, or are there any other spots, Pat, you've been kind of really agonizing over? Well, the, the Rams one, I think, is interesting to talk through because, as Leone said, early in the week, we thought that, and I stopped sharing, but I shouldn't have. I'll, I'll bring that one up. Um, the early week sentiment was Kyron chalk, and Kyron kind of like bad chalk, easy to avoid chalk. Um, anytime it's super obvious we don't even need to play this chalk, it, it, it might mean that it's not actually that big a chalk. Um, and I think Puka – is probably where people go to as they move off of Kyron a little bit. And I think if this Kelsey number is right, then this Kyron number might be a little too high still um, because Kyron, I think to a large degree is just helping fill a weak running back position rather than a play. People are super excited about, especially at ownership. The right. Yeah, because what you're saying is that people aren't going to like the chalk build won't have Kyron Pacheco and CMC. That they'll Listen, just say, "I already filled it with Pacheco. I'll play Puka." Yeah, or I, or why not play Kelsey in this lineup because I don't need Pacheco here. I like that logic a lot. This is tricky, and it does seem like it's going to be really high on those three. Like you, you have very little for everything else combined, fades and everything. I will say the Puka and Cup combined here, you have at 54, and I think. 54 Puka and Cup combined compared to 41% Kyron puts it into perspective for me a little better where I don't think he gets much lower than that. Because I do think there's still an element where a lot of people are going to say, I don't want to pick between the receiver. I'm going to just take Kyron. And he did just score three touchdowns in the yeah. fantasy championship. Two That's true. Two. That's true. Yeah, there's kind of a point at which it's like, well, I don't have to think too hard. And I also think there's – it is the FFPC. Like people aren't going to be real bummed if they have, you know, Kyron Williams, Isaiah Pacheco, and CMC. Like you know, or maybe even throw. You might see some lineups with those guys plus Rashad White. Like it's like, dude, I can play yeah. this four. I would. I back. would still probably have Kyron north of forty-five, closer to fifty. I think people, wow, okay. even though the market is definitely on board with Puka one A, 
Cooper 1B. I still think the psychological thought process is like, man, what if I go Puka and fucking Cooper Cup winds back the clock and has the nuke game and I picked it wrong? You know, like I think they will both kind of cannibalize each other a little bit in a way. It's also like, it's also the way that I'm feeling while looking through these teams and these lineups and stuff is I have a lot of guys at wide receiver that I'm like, oh, that's fun to plug in. I don't have a lot of guys at running back that's fun to plug in. So like, it it feels like if you have a team that has both options, that people are going to be like, well, I've got wide receivers on other teams that I feel good about. Like I can get wide receivers and into these lineups, whereas running back, it feels like a pretty small pool of guys that feel exciting to, to click on. So sure. And, and, and especially when like, if you compare within this own, within this game, right? Like Gibbs versus Amon Ra in terms of what you're giving up at projection there compared to what you're giving up with Kyron versus Puka or Cooper cup. Like it feels very clear to me that people would choose Kyron and Amon Ra as opposed to like Gibbs and cup or Gibbs and Puka or whatever. It just seems like that's the way they'd go. What do you, I agree. I'm what I'm wondering is maybe if they go Amon Ra and Puka and play CMC Pacheco. Yeah. 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 But people aren't playing more than what, what's the line of construction. You have how many, Two, two, two running backs, running back. yeah. Two two wide receivers, two or four flexes, tight end quarterback. Kick yeah. Away. How many flexes do you think? Like, what's the flex ownership you have at running back right now? Uh, it's up to point uh, seven. Feels probably close to right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah so- I don't think people. I don't think many people are going to play like four running back lineups. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Honestly, I feel like it feels like, a little high to me. Like I, I yeah, would like yeah, to yeah. have this closer to two point five, which is where yeah. I'm like, no, there will be down. enough people that, like Peter yeah. said, do four to offset yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, you're probably right. There, there's one guy in an Adrian Peterson jersey who's playing CMC, <laughs> Kyron, Rashad White, and Pacheco. Like, dude, uh, does you see some James? The only Cook? thing I disagree with you there, Pete, is that there's only one guy in that jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you guys, like I'm looking at this and I know that the Rams skill players are super concentrated. They're awesome scorers. Still seems like a pretty low total fade percentage for a team that's, you know, an underdog in round one. Um, it does. Just think if we play double, you know, if, if you're thinking to play double up on Houston, Cleveland, double up on Philly, Tampa Bay, you know, that fade's got to, it's got to come from Miami. It's maybe yeah. gonna come from the Rams. It's gotta come yeah, it's from- not saying it's not saying the Rams players are all going to suck. It's saying they lose, and one of them isn't one of the top two scores of the losers, right? This we've talked about this in yeah. the past years, but like we ended up going to DK Metcalf was our big example last year, where nobody wanted to play Seahawks because they were very likely to lose. I think they had the Niners right in in the first game. Yes, yep. but Metcalf had the potential to outscore all of the other losers basically. And he had like a 30 point game. He was one of the two highest scoring skill guys in of the six teams that lose in wildcard weekend. So that's the way to think through it. If you're fading, this is like, yeah, it's a great matchup with the lions. Yeah. It's hyper concentrated. Yeah. All three of these guys are really good, but if it's a little bit spread around between the three of them, they it's possible. They're not one of the top two scoring players of all six teams that lose in opening weekend. If like Puka, Puka could score 23 if Mar gets to 10, you know, you're talking about a 13 point gap. Like that's, that's not huge. 
you know, assuming they lose, right? That's the and other then, side of it. Yeah. You know, yeah, somebody else lose. Yeah. might not even have to match Puka. They might not even have to match if they if it's, if they're if his kicker does really well. That's true. Right. Yeah. It's it is tough though because you get the opportunity with the Rams to play Puka or Cup, which is how you would prefer to play the Rams in a loss. So you're getting both guys as the not primary chalk yeah. on that team. So it's you know it'd be a little different if like Kyron was our pivot in the loss scenario, where it's like, well, why not just fade him completely? Because is Kyron gonna have a huge game and a loss anyway? But is could Cooper Cup have an absolute huge game and a loss? Like, of course he could. Same yeah. for Puka. Yeah, I don't think you'd do it a lot. It's just, I mean, five percent total on a team that's I agree with know, that. Road dog, yeah. but it, I mean it is it's kind of wild, like it makes no sense. But we saw this last year with the with the Chargers, they were six percent total faded. Um, and I think in some ways, like the Rams are kind of more appealing because last year was basically it was like Eckler is kind of where it all went to. And and we've got a and couple really interesting pivots here. The nuts was like a one percent owned Cameron Dicker last year. Yeah, yeah. Like, like a one percent owned Cameron Dicker and a one percent owned Miami DST was like the this is also the result of the weather situations though right it's just like there's going to be at least you know two weather games that two teams are losing from that we're expecting kind of lower scoring environments already so if, if we're always comparing the losing score versus the other six losing scores now we're comparing a losing score from the rams the three other losing scores. If we think that yeah. the losing score from the Rams is very likely to be higher than the best score from a losing team in those two weather games. And that's where it starts to get a little bit this. I think that's why you're getting the concentrated play side of the Rams in, in addition to the Lions defense, just being an absolute train wreck. Yeah. Uh, it just, it starts to become difficult. I think, I think the kicker play is more interesting to me than like a full fade of. of yeah, like I think things. so. Cause you get more outs that way. Like you do get, you think just the out the defense randomly scores or the kicker kicks four field goals. Do you think most people, when they click Kyron, you know, I, we know a lot of people aren't thinking through like the soft fade and all that element, but do you think they're playing Kyron to win or they're just saying, I don't care. Cause I'm playing. Cause they got him on the other side. Care. Because I'm just wondering, if, are you thinking, like, like I, I'm curious, Leone, from a projection standpoint, if you could do a projection for the Rams versus the 49ers in the divisional round, like, how do you think you would have that? Like, would Kyron still out-project the receivers? I mean, we our full postseason projections, we have Kyron behind the wide receivers. Um is that baking in anything specific to the 49ers? It's baking in their likely spread on, you know, future games. It's not like hyper specific to the the defense that they're facing, but it's kind of a guess at what their team total and their spread, you know, would be in these games. I'm just like put like in my brain I'm like if I'm playing the Rams to upset and then go to the 49ers like I I want a wide receiver there. Because the wide receivers yeah. can get there in a win and will be well, that's in a game trip versus the Niners. Kyron's almost the perfect running back to play in a loss. And I think that's that's almost right. what people are saying because he gets so much green zone work and he could score two touchdowns in a loss. Like he, could, he could score their only two TDs. He could he could be the, the only guy who scores for them and they lose, you know, 30 they, to 17. 
they can all score in any environment. I mean, they're so concentrated and they use those three guys. I, you know, I think win loss for sure. I think loss is a little bit better for the receivers, but they, they can all kind of score in any, environment. that's not true for every running back though. Like not every running back can score in a loss. Like Kyron. I mean, I think you can talk yourself into Kyron in a way you can't for other receivers or running backs. The flip from Kyron Amon Rod to Cup Gibbs though is like pretty sick ownership, you know, leverage wise. You're definitely gonna see some projected points on the Detroit side because you know Amon Rod's gonna out project yeah. Gibbs by a few points, but it's not like an insane amount of points that you're giving up. Yeah. And again, like the, the reason this is so tough, like it's reflected even in the underdog weekly markets, you know, Amon Ra goes two, Kyron goes three. Cooper Cup goes five and Cup goes seven. Like, like they're they're all right there. Like everyone is bullish on all of these guys, and that order is reflected even in in Pat's ownership. Well, sorry, what's the so this is the like battle royale stuff? The weekly, the yeah, for just the wild card yeah, weekends. Monra two, Kyron three, uh Puka five, Cooper seven, Amari and Tyreek are sandwiched in between the Rams. Got it. One other spot that I think is interesting. Um, so I actually lowered Pete, you, you, your last argument of, you know, the fact that you want the, the Rams in that round two. I think people will, will think through that of you attack the you attack the lions through the air and then I'm going to San Francisco. I'd rather have a wide receiver. So I kind of, I think I've raised Kyron up 1% from where I had him at the start of the night, but Basically, where I love I it when I can get you to redo all your projections for one percent of my takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, this is this is one of the other spots because if Kyron's staying basically where I have him, Pacheco is moving up. Does White come down at all? Um, he's one of those other fairly comfy clicks, other than you know CMC being the ultimate comfy click. But for run, running back two, White's very much in the mix, but Evans he's, gives you that spike week potential in a good he's the one. I, he's the one I was thinking of as the counter to the point I was trying to make about Kyron, where people feel comfortable with the Rams still scoring and Kyron still getting goal line work and potentially still scoring one to two touchdowns, even in a loss. I feel like White is the the opposite of that, where I think people think the Eagles there's, – there's risk or fear that the Eagles can just win and potentially win big and win with ball control, and Tampa's offense just doesn't do anything. Like, you're like, they were horrible, even though Philly's defense is bad. I don't know. I mean, that's just sort of like the sentiment uh, that I get. I don't know that that's actually valid. Yeah. The White's I a will, pass-catching I, running back, at least, you know. Yeah. I will, Obviously, yeah, I, this is full-point PPR, but just to give you, like, Evans is going uh, – seven spots ahead of Rashad this week and Kyron Pacheco and Gibbs are all going ahead of him too. Like, and obviously full point, half point, that's big for Gibbs you know, is Rashad's definitely game. interesting. Yeah. But I just like, I've been saying it like the, the market sentiment on Rashad white is never high. Like no one is ever super excited to, to click him. Yeah. He's yeah. A, I mean, I think him and Evans, honestly, like aren't that crazy different of plays. Um, I think yeah. Rashad White's a great play, but I, I just don't think the field is even as excited. Yeah, he might be a good running back pivot, you know, to get off those other guys. Um, someone yeah. here mentioned Godwin too. Godwin two percent just seems Godwin. Like that's wrong. Yeah, that's actually wrong. I need to get that up. I brought that. I brought that up earlier, and I, I was just gonna ask that again, Leonie. You like that too? 
I mean, if he's – I, he came on really strong at the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Levitan tweeted about how since his wife complained on social media, you know, he's been getting hit with all the targets. And there you go. I didn't I, know that I, that analysis. By the, by the by the way, I feel like while we're here and we're just watching Crane change the projected ownership, there's like <laughs> a, there's like a Steve Kornacki bit here where we could be like, let's go to Crane live in Philadelphia. <laughs> what are the latest polls saying? <laughs> we got to get him on one of those boards. <laughs> 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 Uh, and this means we're taking two percentage points on Kaimi Fairbairn in Houston. What do you see? Dude, we got we gotta find it in the ship chasing budget to get you one of these boards. You too, uh, man. Speak, speaking of which, uh shout out to the, the new YouTube members tonight. Uh on screen right now, we do have Pat's uh ownership projections. If you guys are legendary upside subscribers, you get access to those. If you guys are in the ship chasing discord, it is pinned in that channel. You get access to that discord by becoming a YouTube member, and then you can just sync your Discord account and YouTube member. There's instructions on how to do that in the FAQ of the Deposit Kingdom Discord, which there's a link in the show notes. Um, yeah, so did you just bring Godwin up, Pat, or are you doing that now? I brought Godwin up to 6%. Um, I took Mike Evans. He was up here at uh, 36%. <laughs> brought him down. Now, now Mark, <laughs> he's down uh, at 32%. Now, what I was thinking about is maybe actually taking him up slightly higher to 33%. Now, what that would do is it would allow us to take Rashad White down to 20%. Becomes a very interesting pivot play at that price. Back to you, Pete. Yeah, thank you, Pat. Appreciate that. Nice to have our finger on the pulse here with our FFPC ownership correspondent, Pat Kornecki. <laughs> Dude got a lobster roll in him is and is just vibing tonight. <laughs> is that a kombucha you were drinking too, Pat? It was, yeah. God, and then again, it's so fucking cliche. Diego full San Diego, man. What what NFL season of the guys like just full San Diego on air at the end of the season? <laughs> just a caricature. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, we're gonna learn this guy has a Tesla or something. <laughs> 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 um let's see here um what other games have we not discussed a ton here i'm trying to think what have we missed we haven't talked we about miami. Miami. green bay oh, yeah. uh, yes one of the chats was talking a little bit about green bay yeah let's yeah let's talk green bay um Pat, what did you have? Yeah, pull pull up the Green Bay ownership from from what you had it there. Yeah, so Green Bay fade came down a little bit for me. Um, they, I mean, they're still pretty high, but I think at one point I had them up at eighty four percent. They're down to seventy seven now. Um, just as like that game, there's lots of like you want to fade Philly a little bit more. You know, you, you, there's like the weather concerns. I think pe people have talked about fading Miami talked about how fading baltimore so some a little more unconventional fades normally these seven seeds get faded very high the steelers i have at 94 percent total fade so they're definitely <laughs> <laughs> they're fitting that mold but but the the packers um down to 77 percent gets a little more aaron jones i took Jaden reed down i think with christian watson looking like he'll play then 
that makes him a little bit shakier. And Jones is just the guy I've <coughs> heard everyone talk about. You know, he's kind of the, the guy that we're you're actually a little bit excited about in part because he gives you that running back two pivot that truly will be contrarian and then lets you do other things with your lineup. Um, you, you don't feel as constrained. Like you, you can definitely go to Puka and Cup in those lineups. You don't need Kyron at all. And just I just freaking love the Jones play because of what James Cook did to Dallas a couple weeks ago. Because of what Jones has done in Texas when he's gone back, he played at UTEP. There's all these little narratives that are tied in there, and then you don't have to pick the receiver. You just you just play Aaron Jones. Love it. I mean, twelve percent is low for the running back situation on this slate, and yeah. most likely no AJ Dillon. That's the other thing, I mean, no AJ Dillon. So I, I wonder if maybe it's more like fifteen seven or something between Jones and Reed. What do you guys think about that? I could see that. I still think Jones would be a good play, but I, I could definitely see. That I could depends too. how many people play running back and flex though. Like I don't think your white stuff's off. I don't really think your Pacheco Kyron's off. Like we we could still average three running backs per team. I don't think would be absolutely shocking. Um, it wouldn't be. I I think the general way people think it through though is Dallas smash. And even if I want to play it as like a shootout, then I'd rather play Jaden Reed. You know, because then Jaden Reed can get there in victories. He can get there in losses. And when you look at, you know, the the Aaron Jones box score, he did have the five receptions, was it last week? Um, but previous to that, like, he hasn't been getting a ton of work in the passing game, and it's, he's just been, like, getting so many carries right now. I just wonder if people get spooked. Like, Dallas is up two touchdowns. How, how fed is Aaron Jones getting? Got 20 carries in three straight games. It's kind of sick. But yeah, that was yeah, all. I, I like Aaron Jones. I'm just saying, like, how yeah. I'm, I'm putting myself in For sure. perspective yeah. of how people I, think about it. I brought Jones down 2% from since Pete started talking. I love that. I'm the canary in the coal mine in the square. I love it's it. around the horn at this point. And when Pete <laughs> talks, you just see Jones drop. <laughs> Jaden Reed's a great play too. I think Pete, you're the one who said on the on the first show that I was on this week. So I guess Wednesday that this is a game that Green Bay is going to be faded way too high. I mean, the 64% is the thing to highlight. Like that's too high for a dome game with a high total where we're expecting points. Like Green Bay's offense can be efficient. This feels like a, one of those really great, like the Metcalf from last year we're talking about, one of those really great opportunities to potentially yeah. get one of the high skill position scores in a loss. Yeah, it's Brett. scary. Right, because you're we've talked endlessly about how you want your two hard fades like need to be from teams that lose, and then your two soft fades you really want those to be from teams that lose, and then you take the Packers off the board because you're probably in most of these lineups that you play Aaron Jones or Jaden Reed, you're probably also playing CD Lamb. You're not just betting on the on the Packers to win the game, you're just betting on it to be a shootout. So now that means I need to go predict another game correctly, which is tough, you know. And that's why I think people will ultimately probably just pick the Packers to lose because it makes their lives so much easier. But I do agree that playing this game as a shootout and then doing the difficult work of predicting the bracket is going to give you an edge. It'll give you a big edge if you get it right. Yeah, I could see that. A lot of people put Aaron Jones in, and then as they fill out the rest of their lineup, they circle back and <laughs> they take out Aaron Jones. Yeah, this is going to be an Aaron Jones lineup. Is the first thing you say, and by the end, you go, "Yeah, it works a lot better if I take out Aaron Jones." 
Uh, well, Miami Aaron Jones. Played, I don't know. I don't know. Fun fact: Aaron Jones has played the Cowboys three times in his career. He's rushed for a hundred yards and at least one TD in all three. Six total touchdowns, at least one hundred and thirty total yards in every one of those games. Just saying, guy I'm like like CSU rattling off college football. Box <laughs> yeah, right he's been in the league for like <laughs> eight years. Like, how many different humans that he was? One of them was his first hundred yard game of his career in his rookie season. Josh Which Downs was, when again? was a monster. Yeah, a long time. <laughs> Josh Downs, Wake and Rake. I was just standing there. I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> like eight college games right along. Jenny's been grinding the Silva tape where you just listed off college stats and awards. And, it, you know, it passes this analysis. I mean, um, we could go to Aaron Jones' UTEP stats. I can keep this Dallas, yeah, this Texas team going. <laughs> Dude, in high school, he ran for 360. <laughs> his, his high school Texas stats. I love it. Yeah, I because if you think about right, the Pat, you have the biggest full fades, right? As Green Bay and Steelers, who are the biggest dogs yeah. of the weekend. And so, like, even just not full fading those. Like, if you do the soft fade, Steelers D, you do you could do a soft fade with Andres, who you have here. Um, yeah, I mean, or on or Aaron Jones or Reed, like you're already getting very unique because the field is going to want to full fade those guys at a pretty big clip. Yeah, yeah, I've got both of these as hugely faded. Pittsburgh even more so. I mean, 82% fade, 10% defense, 3% Pickens, 2% Boswell, 1% Harris, 1% Warren, 1% Johnson. I'd probably take the over on my fade projection. <laughs> Uh, you know, because it's like, are people really, are, we're really going to get a full percent on Jalen Warren? In the Warren? weather, too. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, the weather's going to bring more people to Pittsburgh D. Pittsburgh's D, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe. Like, for position players, I mean, the, the total the total fade and soft fade is going to be really high. I love playing contrarian in this contest. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to play. I don't know about Pittsburgh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, the one I would play, you, you guys probably know, like it would be Najee and just a game where the weather's bad and they run <laughs> 35 times. We, right? we have to have a Couldn't you just say Pickens? Like, why can't you say Pickens? No. Sean also brought up Najee, and whenever honestly, Sean and Leone honestly, both bring up something, it usually hits. It pisses me off. I mean, if you were to play them, I think Dude, Najee, Najee snow game. We gotta Tomlin do one Najee wants lineup. to give him twenty five carries. Tomlin is yeah. We gotta do one Najee over twenty five Najee carries right now. Oh, I'm fine full fade in Pittsburgh. I'm just saying, like, if I were and he's oh, the way you just the excitement with which you just said Najee snow game. <laughs> I don't even think I said those three words in that order. No, no, Pete. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, he just went. I mean. Do guys, do we just do an all running back team for the bit with Najee yeah. and like Pacheco oh. and all these fucking guys? Oh, Aaron no. Jones. Let, let's. I want to pull up this question because I know some people are new to the contest. Will one of you guys explain? So Gamblestein asking here: Is there merit to fading the entire Steelers game? Do one of you guys want to explain why you shouldn't be double full fading uh, two teams in the same game? I'm gonna grab beer. All right. Guess because one of them's going to win, and you're going to get two games out of one team in that situation. And very likely, even if I see your point about Allen's upside side to the four potential rounds, you think that the skill players are not going to do a lot other than Allen. So you're basically only getting the other Buffalo game. It is logical 
Like it, I mean, or like it's possible that like it could be that bad of a first round game and Allen runs for a couple of touchdowns. I just, I mean, I think it's so thin. You need a really specific thing like, to hit. Diggs and Cook are still going to score like five to ten points, even right. if it's bad. And then one of they get them a, a play another game. <laughs> yeah, one of them plays another. So it's less about Allen and more about like Diggs and Cooks, possibly even Kincaid. It's possible. I mean, we're talking about playing Baltimore DST being live in two. Like, so it's possible. Um, you you basically need something like for that to work, right? The other teams that are full faded, let's say the Packers, you would basically need like Jaden Reed to score like 30 points, you know, in a loss, right? Like something like that, where one of the full faded guys goes so nuke that even one of the advancing teams as players don't match him in two games. Like that's the need right. you're trying to threat. And it's and even if you don't think it's two full games to Leone's point, they're gonna score at least five to ten points. And that's a pretty big boost to then also another full game, right? Like if they have 15, now they're at 20 to 25, right? Like it, it be and that's a strong tour in the end. Like even if it's one of the games is bad, two games is is a lot more than one game is the way that it kind of adds up. I mean Definitely need one of the DSTs and just hope that that DST just yeah. goes nuts. I think that's your that's your angle. If you wanna if you wanna full fade one team and play the DST from the other, I think that's a great or completely logical play. But the full fade you don't you don't want to do from that game. Um, any other spots you guys want to talk before we uh, build a lineup here? There's one guy I feel like I have to mention just because. I, I like him a lot and we didn't talk about, but like Devin Singletary for Houston looks like a good running back pivot. You know, I don't know if it's something you go ham on, but his ownership looks pretty low. Damian Pierce barely touched the ball. I don't even know if he did touch the ball in, in week 18. Guys, are, you are we going to play just all running backs? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to run it through fades of the chalk running backs, Ben. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You we will you talk about the Singletary projection a little bit because you guys are way ahead of market. Like even in the BR streets, like Singletary's barely getting drafted. Montgomery goes ahead of him. Najee goes ahead of him. Cook, Pollard, all these guys go ahead of him. What uh what's fueling the uh the Singletary love? Yeah, it's a couple of things. First of all, he's been really good. Like he's been super solid. Um, and just the way Cleveland plays defense, even though their defense is great overall, sometimes they're sort of convincing you to run when you shouldn't and like it ends up being like a decent yards per carry thing where they're not like totally shutting down the run game of the opposing team but was he drafted by again remember when we had we faded him that year that he went on the run and then he had like a really good one you really wanted us to play him huh didn't you really want us to play him as well i wanted us to not play him at all oh oh Oh, yeah and isn't it crazy how every year his like the arc of his season is the same trajectory where the team's like, we like Singletary. And then it's like, we don't. And then it's like, fuck, we got to go back to Singletary. <laughs> he played 88% of the snaps in the week 18 must win game. Damian Pierce did not log an offensive snap. So you just wow. give a running back all the snaps. And the other thing about this game, it's two point. It's a two point spread, right? Like, people are really high in Cleveland, but it's, it's a two point spread. So it's hard to just be like, Oh, they're gonna get crushed. Like game script concern. Yeah. It could go bad in a loss, but um, you know, if they win and you get him to two games and he's pure workhorse running back, that's pretty, pretty good. 
I actually love this play because they'll probably try to attack through Singletary. Like the they've been a pretty conservative offense actually in a lot of their games this season. Cleveland's a run funnel. Um, I mean, it's a little tough because the Browns have been so aggressive and Texans are pretty bad against the pass, but, um, you know. I like the Singletary stuff. I think when you think it through, it's a little tough, right? Because we know the Texans, they do want to run. Like, they absolutely want to run when they can, but that's also a little game script dependent. Um, right. they'll, they'll let Stroud throw a negative game script. So this, the Devin Singletary and a loss is actually like a little harder. I mean, you got to run really hot on touchdowns. It's like the Cam Akers play probably from a couple of years ago. Whereas if they win and then you're Singletary on the road in Baltimore, it starts not to feel that great. Um, that that's the kind of the, the tough needle you're threading there. I but think. you could see Nico like just tanking in that game. So, you know, you get a, you get like, oh, a touchdown from Singletary against Baltimore in round two. You might be feeling pretty yeah. good. Yeah. You've also got 35% chance Miami wins and you're not playing Baltimore round two. Um, True. Would you prefer? But, you know, you know, it, it's less likely, but it's on the table. I just think like sometimes these workhorse backs, like they just get there and he's like projected for like, at least for right now, passing for nothing. Um, probably would want him in a two running back lineup, and then you take the Nico thing a little bit off mm-hmm. the table. Uh, yeah, but um, um, yeah. All right, let's build a lineup. I just started building one. Uh, I don't think it's gonna work. I have James Cook at tight end and Kyron Williams at wide receiver. It's got eight running backs on it. It looks pretty solid. <laughs> all the plays we've been talking about all night. <laughs> <laughs> you see you built an eight running back lineup yeah it's not actually gonna work there's i was trying to figure out how many running backs we've talked about mccaffrey pacheco kyron james cook singletary gibbs aaron jones rashad white and then i left cd lamb in there we're not playing tony Pollard. yeah i mean <laughs> you you can't you can't play you can play you can play, you can play a lot of running backs. backs. Yeah, you can go six. You know what? It it sucks that this is the state of fantasy football because eight years ago this would have been the boomer opto, and we are so far <laughs> it's, from it's this. <laughs> I didn't even have uh, a Miami in there. You got a chain, a chain in there. See, Man. to me, like the a chain in a loss thing. Yeah, is a really nice sell, right? Because the Chiefs' pass defense is much better than their run defense. Teams elect to run on him. And if you got most or any bit banged up, A-chan is so explosive on a per-touch basis. Like, the A-chan and a loss stuff is is pretty nice. And then Pacheco and a win. So you can actually play running backs on both sides of that game. It, it's perfect. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to play Pacheco and A-chan in the, in the same game. I don't game. either. That's a good point. Absolutely nobody will do that. But it, it, it actually makes sense. Yeah. But, but you're Somebody watching this three, show is going to be a running back lineup. Unless you're big in CMC. Yeah, yeah probably, exactly. probably a three running back, which is a weird way to do a three running back lineup. Yeah. Uh, Dink, do you want to kick us off? What, what was your claim to fame? Was it was it three Gronk. or four years ago? Gronk. It was either Gronk. winning the Millie or putting Gronk in one of our No, FFPC it was definitely lineup. Gronk. God, yeah. the Millie was like decades ago. Nobody remembers that. It was definitely Gronk. It was on a Monday um, night, too. They don't even do yeah. it like that. Anymore. Yeah, I mean, good luck. Good God. Yeah, with an Eli Manning stack, of all things. Um, yeah, so 
I don't have an. I guess my spiciest take that we've put on the show is is Baltimore D. So okay, let's go Baltimore D. Let's do it. We got one of those boomers who thinks Lamar's a running back and can't play him here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to be the other joke, right? Is that if if we want to do Ben's eight running back roster, we just put in Lamar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to right. pick which joke you're going to commit to here. <laughs> All right, Leone. Wait, we we're going to go slightly out of order for you, so I can we we can go in order of the boxes. No, well, what if I told you that I can change oh, no. the boxes to make them whatever order I want? Oh no! Wow! Um, I really I'm lost out there. All right. <laughs> Anyone else want to complain about the position on fucking Hollywood Squares? You had great. it ready too. You said ready just in case I complain. All right, I'm, man. Do I? I I'll, I'm gonna go CMC. I want to see what you guys do. I'll just go super boring CMC off the start. Is that your flag plant? <laughs> Dude, right, I just great. think he's a great play in this contest. No, I've, I've been the one picking chalk in all of our on-stream lineup builds this week. So we, we talked two things on this stream. We talked uh, if you're playing Baltimore D, then you play all paths so that you have guys live. And we also talked uh, contrarian Texans pivot. Last night it was Dalton Schultz. This week's Devin Singletary. All right. Gretch? Um, I'm gonna take Josh Allen because <laughs> there's no other options for quarterback. Yeah, I was I was trying to keep it open. Like I was like Allen or Hertz could have gotten spicy, but I think Allen makes more sense to just directly correlate it. Hurts. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I I'm gonna try to send us down a pretty wild path. Uh, I am going to work under the assumption A.J. Brown isn't playing, and I'm going to put Dallas Goddard in our tight end slot. I love it. Are we... Are we, sucks. <laughs> are, we are we snaking or are we... Uh, no. Okay. No snake. It's go, a third-round reversal, though, so just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, go, I'll go CD, then. I'll, I'll go Leone style and punt to the more spicy options. Um, Cooper Cup. Did we say Goddard is more of one you play in a loss, or did, was oh, that not necessary? Shit. I think I screwed that up. Why? Well, Pat was kind of teeing us up to play like all pads to the the Baltimore upset. We just we just took them off the we just took that off the table with our last two picks. I think. Did we? Why? Why? No. He was talking about well, it on the AFC now, side. I guess. I guess if you're fading Tampa Bay, I guess you could. Yeah, yeah. you have to fade Tampa yeah. Bay. <clears throat> I guess you could still get there. And fade, then fade Detroit too. Yeah, we. I don't know if we can fully get there unless we fade Kansas City, but we could. Because we need to play a Brown and a Dolphin, probably. Right. Why do it, Why do we have to fade four. Kansas City? Well. If, if you did Pat's strategy of covering every single basis for the team that could play Baltimore in round two, you'd need Miami. Because someone's beating Baltimore in round two, so we want we want yeah. everyone alive. All right, I'll, I'll take, take Mika. Oh, I'll no, take Terry. Singletary. Oh, you're up. Sorry. I'm up. Singletary's already up. Oh, yeah. We, we're fading KC. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I mean, we don't have to, but I think – I don't know. 
to Sorry, Tyreek. whose pick is it? Pat took Tyreek. Okay. And I tried to take an ineligible player at the same time. Um, I'll go with Goddard's tricky for Njoku. Um, wait, we don't want to play a Steeler though. No, are we, are we is that all pads? Steelers, Steelers are, are excluded. No, Steelers are pads. not, Steelers are losing. I mean, we have Allen, so yeah. we can't. Yeah, oh, right, we have Allen, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we got the Ravens loss, right? <laughs> so, the Browns are the last one we need to get in. Is, is there another game we haven't done anything yeah. from yet? The, no, just the Browns. And we don't have uh, we don't have Detroit yet. We don't right have now, the Bucks. We, we don't have Detroit. We don't have Packers. The Lions. Detroit Bucks. Lions. Packers. Three flex and a place kicker. Chiefs and a f- yeah. Chiefs. I think you did. You definitely <coughs> want to play the um the Browns. Texan. We have a Texan. Yeah, sorry, Texan. sorry. I mean the I mean the Browns. Yeah. I think it's Amari because I think when you play Goddard, he to me strikes me as a one tight end guy. So I'll, I'll say Amari. Even though Kyle, Kyle like 10 seconds before you said Amari said longest Amari Cooper pick ever. <laughs> <laughs> Clear Amari Fuck off. <laughs> I, 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 I was doing everything I could to not pick Amari Cooper. It's been a tough I, it, week I, for Ben. It's been a tough David week. For everybody, everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. It's been a tough week for Ben. If he needs a little extra time to get to Amari Cooper, let him take. He's got damn time. Greg to almost Cooper. said Austin Safarian Jenkins in a hunky thing. Dude, I was about to take Jerome Ford just to avoid this. Oh, God. All right, Cedric Toman viable. I mean, we're, we're already mega unique. No, he's we not playing. Play so. here. <laughs> All right, it's back to Dink. I played Ramonra. All right. So okay. We have so Tampa Bay, KC, Pittsburgh. KC were fading. Pittsburgh were fading. So it's Tampa Bay and Green we Bay. We could fade right? Tampa Bay too. Tampa Bay and Green Bay. You can fade Tampa Bay. You could fade Green Bay too. You don't have to yeah. fade KC necessarily. You could play okay. KC. I think we could play okay. KC. Okay. Yeah. You could play. You could play Rice or Pacheco <sighs> or Kelsey. I mean, Kelsey's still in play in double. Seven. Yeah. No man, once we put Goddard in, it's the most obvious Amari pick ever. Dude, I mean, Goddard is <laughs> probably better in a loss. I don't know. It's it's close between fading KC or fading Tampa Bay. Do you think so Goddard's I think, better in a single I think, tight end? Too? I think it, so I don't think we want as, as I mean, as incredible as Bucker's been, I don't think we want Bucker in negative 30 degree weather. It's one of these two, probably. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go. Let's go McLaughlin. I'll go McLaughlin. Cool. There you go. So you're leaving me. The fun. We're, we're going to be fading Green Bay for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll go Rishi Rice. All right. Nice. Let me just scroll and scroll and scroll. <laughs> <coughs> um, all right. The final lineup that we built here, Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Tyree Kill, Amon Ra, Rashi Rice, Goddard, Chase McLaughlin, and Baltimore defense. This lineup 
is eerily similar, like structurally and thematically to the one we made last night where it's still, it's like, it's still two running backs. It's still one tight end. And yet it's full fading the two teams that most people are going to full fade. And it's also still mega unique. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot it's, of it's not, it's not that hard to get like really different in this tournament. I mean, Rasheed Rice already is like a very Rasheed Rice, Devin Singletary, Singletary. Cooper yeah. Yeah. Those, I mean, Rice and Singletary will definitely be sub 10. Um, well, Singletary definitely will be. Rice probably will be. And then uh, Goddard and Cup will probably be around 20. So you're, you're already pretty off the beaten path. Yep. Yeah, is there anything with this one that doesn't check out logically? I think it's fine, right? No, it works out. Amari Cooper pick. I don't know whose job. idea that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're yeah, you're you're okay with either Houston <coughs> or Cleveland winning in this scenario. You you we're probably also, we're, want... all, we're also okay with Kansas City or Miami winning in that scenario, but we'd prefer Miami. Prefer yeah. Miami. We definitely prefer Miami. That makes yeah. it easier for Allen yeah. and yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Although if you're if like if you if Devin Singletary is your lowest owned player and they win and then he goes on the road and beats Baltimore, he probably has a positive game script and he's probably just like the smash of all smashes. Yeah. Although like Amari, if they I mean the Cleveland defense could take out Baltimore, and then it's like then you're getting three games from Amari, even if he doesn't have a great game against the Ravens, it's pretty sick. Yep. All right, dudes, we got we got to get in the lab, start building some teams. We got to roll up our sleeves, get some calluses on these on these hands. Uh, Dink and Leone, you guys already got your established the million out for wild card uh, weekend. Leone also did a podcast earlier today covering both this contest and NFFC strategy. Anything else uh, you guys are working on right now? Thanks, grinding the NBA streets. <laughs> yeah, just making sure there's no changes for this 10 o'clock game uh, so we can keep the Twitter streets clean tonight, you know. Yeah, it's been tough out there. It always is, man. It always is. <laughs> <laughs> Are you are you on team? You, you would like the uh, the sites to fully eliminate late swap. Um, fully eliminate late swap. I've probably dug in my heels too much on that over the last ten years to say uh, to flip sides and say yes, I'd like it eliminated. I've, I've been the I, I think Aguiar blocked me on all social media platforms because of my arguing for late swap in back in the day. So are you are you still um, blocked? <clears throat> I'm pretty confident I'm still blocked by Aguiar. <laughs> Um, Shout out to so, who got my deposit limits raised last week. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so uh, I I I think what they're doing now with the like eliminating the late games and testing smaller slate sizes, I think is like a good middle ground for the casual consumer. And I think just NBA DFS needs more people who want to play it, who want to be able to play it casually, which is a challenge with the way that yeah. the NBA is structured. I never yeah. got it. I, I forget, maybe I don't know, four or five years ago, I was like, oh, I'll try this out. And then that was one of the reasons I was like, ah, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, 
Well, we appreciate all of you guys joining us here for uh, playoff week. Always a blast. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep the conversation going in the Discord here. And uh, yeah, hope you guys all get all your lineups in. There's still uh, some contests open on Underdog. I saw Sacrilegious is up to like 130 gauntlets he mentioned in the chat <laughs> earlier. Oh Gauntlet God. twos, by the way. He he is going to hit 1,000 playoff basketball drafts it sounds like so. he was late to this stream he, he showed up 20 yeah. minutes late he's like oh man sorry i got wrapped up in a bunch of drafts <laughs> yeah um yes appreciate all of you guys hanging out and again our programming note so we're gonna have no show next thursday i'm traveling but we're gonna do a special edition shipcast on monday night for eagles and bucks so same deal as usual we'll get a guest we'll have some pickums we'll have some drinks we'll sweat it out we'll get to check in on all of the updated ownership stuff. Check out some of our underdog high stakes teams. We drafted all of that good stuff. So tune in for that. I believe kickoff is 15 minutes earlier than usual, 8 p.m. Eastern, I want to say. That'll be Monday night. Gretch, Pat, anything else I'm forgetting here? No, I, I threw some thoughts together on uh, leg up, as I mentioned. Just kind of some of the some of the stuff we covered today of kind of how the landscape shifting, if you want to check that out, kind of a quick, quick read. Yep. Yeah. Hit all of the, uh, the ownership, uh, related new stuff. Gretch, anything for you? Yeah. No, I just got my heart pulled out of my chest, uh, this morning, but other than that, no solid since last night. There you go. Where, I'm, where I'm, is, uh, I just wanted to note, I'm very interested in, uh, seeing what a quick read from Pat Crane looks like. I'm, uh, it's, I um, believe under a thousand words. I mean, it, you know, I, uh, it was probably like 1200. <laughs> yeah. It might've been 1200. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was like nine hundred. Then I added a hurt section. <laughs> Gretch, what's the over under on Dunze's uh, NFL draft pick number? I don't know. I, I saw someone say he's a lock for the top ten. I think people really like him. I think my prediction on him is Pat's not going to like him because I was looking at his numbers <laughs> a little bit, and he he was good in his in his fourth season. He and he's he's going to be a guy who needed that fourth season in Pat's numbers, and then I'm going to tell Pat put the fucking film on, bro. And gonna, <laughs> hey, gonna actually, fucking go to the national championship. Let's go game. fucking watch the game, hey, bro. bro. <laughs> Uh, all right. <laughs> Appreciate you all. Uh, join us in the Discord. Good luck. Uh, I will not be bullied off my Dunze take. <laughs> that, that I don't know yet. Free not capitulating. This is a first, I, I right? don't have a take yet, but I will have whatever take I fucking have. I'm telling you. That. <laughs> uh, hey, can we get one final uh, last uh, update from Pat Kornaki here to take us out? So we are looking at some ownership changes overnight. Probably not too, <laughs> nothing too major. You know, things are pretty settled in, but we could see some shifts. I would say more in the Tampa Bay area. We could see some minor shifts in the Rashad White direction. We could also see some Kyron Williams. There's some incoming bearish downward pressure as the Puka steam rises. Look for that. We'll see you tomorrow. Good luck in your championships. You 